That's what community is built on. And, com- and, com- and that can live within competition where you honor one another, you celebrate one another, you encourage one another, but, but it can also can be, can be in anti-competition, in unhealthy community, in a negative way. And so life isn't about being number one, I have found. For someone who loves being number one, life, life isn't always about, leadership isn't actually about being number one. You know, you can lead without being the leader because you can influence and you can support and you can encourage, and you can lift up, and you can honor, and be humble, and so life isn't about being number one, and we actually all, no matter what our role, no matter what our position, no matter whether we are a CEO, or, or we are a, uh, in, in any area, no matter what our role is, whether we're at the top, in the middle, at the bottom, on the side, whatever we think we're in, doesn't matter that we can be leaders, and we can win. We don't have to be number, we don't have to come in first place to win, amen? Come on, that's good. And so it's all about actually preferring one another and honoring one another. And so coming second to someone doesn't mean losing. Come on. Coming second to someone doesn't mean losing. And sometimes in our mind, in our psyche, we can think if, I, if, I, if I'm not the guy, if I'm not the person, if I'm not number one, then suddenly I'm second rate or I'm losing. But that's not how God sees it. Because God doesn't view us based on performance. He doesn't view us based on position. His love is, there's no favoritism. It's equal and for everyone, no matter what your role, no matter what your place. In, uh, in Philippians 2, and because this is on the fly, then we might not have scriptures, so just listen in good. In, in Philippians 2, verse 3, it says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not looking to your own interests, but rather looking to the interests of others. Isn't that like a tough scripture? You're like, oh, like, like, because so we so easily look to our own interests, don't we? We so easily prefer ourselves and our own and our own values and our own signals. But do nothing out of selfish ambition. Looking, not looking to your own interests, but actually looking to the interests of others. That's the heart of community that we would all care. And if everybody does that. Everybody gets looked after. Isn't that amazing? As a church, as a community, as we do that together, as we all look, not, I'm not looking to my interests. Vicky's not looking to her interests. Come on, Florence is not looking to her interests. We're all looking to one another's interests, and we all get covered in the process. Isn't that amazing? Come on, give God a hand. Come on. And I actually think there's, um, I'm a bit of a movie buff. Any, any, any movie fans out there? I saw Avengers Endgame last night. Come on, anyone, has anyone seen any Avengers, any Marvel fans? Come on, the, a few of our, well, come on, Vicky, I love it. I'm going to pick on you all morning because you're sitting right there. It's amazing. But uh, hey, Mar- Marvel's awesome, right? And, uh, and Endgame is kind of like the climactic moment, and I won't give any spoilers away. Austin, don't you worry if I haven't seen it. Um, uh, I nearly did, but anyway. Uh, but then, you know, in me, in, in movies, there's some great sidekicks. There's some great people who came, se- who were second, seemingly second. You know, like I can think of, you know, anyone of Shrek. Come on, he wasn't second. Donkey was second. What a great character Donkey was. Come on, uh, uh, I, I, I know it's a bit heathen to bring it to church, but Harry Potter. Come on, Ron and Hermione. Great. They weren't the main, but they were. They were necessary, needed, important to uh, to win the battle. There's so many. Come on, Wilson was a great second to Tom Hanks. Am I right? Uh, you know, uh, if you like the Matrix, any Matrix fans, come on. Trinity was a great second to uh, to Neo. They needed them, and so it's not just one guy who's the chosen one. It is the chosen in us. We are all needed no matter what our role is. I reckon though probably, 
without a doubt, the greatest second in history, in movie folklore, the greatest person who was the best second of all time, without a doubt, was Samwise Gamgee from Lord of the Rings. Can I get any fans, any Lord of the Rings fans? The greatest. And there's a scene at the end when Frodo's like climbing up Mount Doom or whatever it is, Mount Mordor. Anyway, some, some fiery mountain. He's so close to the finish line and he can't go on. And, and the problem is, is Frodo had to carry the ring, right? It was his responsibility. He was the leader. He had to carry it. That was his burden to bear. And Sam said at the end there, he said, he said, he said I may not be able to carry you, Mr. Frodo. Sorry, no, I've, ru- I've ruined the whole punchline. He said, I may not be able to carry the ring, Mr. Frodo, but I can carry you. Isn't that amazing? Well, isn't that, that's the heart that we should all have, that we can't carry, uh, I can't carry your responsibility and, and you can't carry my responsibility, but we can carry each other in the process. We can actually support each other in the process. And so what I want to go through this morning is three, three groups of people that the Lord has actually called us to be second to. Three, three different areas, three different groups of people that God has called us to be uh, encouraging, supportive of, honoring, and, uh, and take on that humble, uh, humble approach. And the first people is God has called us to be second to the people in third. God has called us to, to be second to the people in third. And what I mean by that is we need to know how to honor and serve the people coming up behind us, right? Sometimes we can get with, like, oh, no, I'm in second. They've got to follow me. And so, no, no, actually, that's not what Jesus did at all, is it? He actually came to serve. He was first, but he actually came to serve all of us. He was the firstborn of all creation, yet he came humbly as a servant. We need to serve those coming after us. The context I want to give you is is, uh, King Saul in the Old Testament. He had a son named Jonathan who was heir to the throne. Right, his son, he was the firstborn of Saul. Jonathan, it was his rightful place to take on the throne uh, that Saul would leave. And in 1 Samuel 23, it says this, And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you because Saul had been trying to kill David because the Lord had put his hand on David saying he's going to be the next king. And Saul got a bit insecure about that, got a little bit jealous about that. And so Saul started trying to kill David, who was actually Jonathan's best friend. And Jonathan, who's really the one who should have been angry because it was his right, it was his birthright to be on the throne. Yet he saw the fact that God had put his hand on David and he went to David and said, don't be afraid. Saul won't lay a hand on you. You'll be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Isn't that amazing? This was Jonathan's birthright, yet he recognized the bigger picture. He recognized what God was doing. He recognized that God had placed his hand on someone who was coming up after him, and he said, you know what? I'm going to lay down my own interests. I'm going to lay down my own desires. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be second to you. Jonathan recognized the big pitch. He recognized what God was doing. And so David needed a Jonathan in his life. And there are people in our lives who are coming up after us that need us to, to, to step back and look at the bigger picture and say, hey, actually, God's putting his hand on you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to help you rise into everything God has called you to. There are people in our world, people around us, people that, that seemingly would seem like not qualified or, 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 or not ready. And God is saying, no, no, actually, they're the, they're, they're, that's, the, that's the one. That's the people. People in our connect groups, people in our workplaces that God's using that we actually need to recognize and see like Jonathan did and, and put aside for a moment what we thought was right, what was, what was intended and actually recognize the God picture in the middle of it. 
That's exactly what Jesus did. It goes on in in Philippians 2, it goes on in verse 5. It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, how's this, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. This is amazing. Jesus, Jesus, who being in very nature was God, He was 100% God. He is the fullness of the deity in bodily form, Colossians says. He was God, yet he didn't consider that he was God. He didn't use that, even even though he was. And if anyone's entitled to use their position, it was probably Jesus. But he didn't, right? He said, I'm not going to use this position to my own advantage. Isn't that amazing? The Son of, not just the Son of God, but God. God. Didn't lord it, didn't, didn't, didn't play the power card, didn't play the position card, but he came as a servant. He didn't use anything to his own advantage. He came and served. It's amazing. We can be second to others when we're secure that God doesn't see it like that. That's how we do it. If we find it hard to be second to people, I've found that it's because we've missed misheard or mis, misunderstood God's, God's love, that God doesn't see it like that, that we are, num- we are number one in God's eyes every time. All of us, are like, and the beauty of it is we can all be first in God's eyes, and we were, because we're in Christ who was the firstborn. We're in Him, and so then we're all first. It's anti-kingdom thinking that we understand God's love based on performance rather than God's character. Sometimes what we do is we don't lift other people up because we think in doing so, we're lowering ourselves. It's like we're, de- we're, we're, we're like somehow defeating ourselves and we're, we're like, but it's not about that. Actually, when we lift people up, God, that God's so stoked on that. He sees us just as much in that process. It's amazing. The second group that God has called us to be second to is God has called us to be second to people already in first. And so he's calling us to see those coming after us but he's actually calling us to serve those that are already ahead of us, to honor the generations that have gone before us. And we are so thankful for Pastor Ward and Nick who have gone before us in this location. I know we can all agree on that, right? Amazing. And so we are, we are, we are honored and blessed to be second to the legacy that they have set for us, that set for all of us, all the seeds that they've sown over 20 years. And we are called to be second, to know how to honor and support those leading the charge. And this is why, I'll tell you why. If they win, we all win because we're not on different teams. If the people in front of us win, we all win. We all win because we're on their team. And so as we lift up the leaders, as we lift up Pastor Phil and Chris, our amazing senior pastors, as we lift them up, as they win, as they charge forward, as they break through, we break through with them. Amen. And so we would say, we, we need you guys. We, because, because as you lift us up, as we win, you win, and we win together. We don't see it as ah, it's us all moving together in Jesus Christ. We need to know how to honor and support those leading us. And there's an amazing story in Exodus 17, and you may know it, where there's a battle, and Joshua, who is Moses' kind of leader of the army, and Joshua is down in the battle. He's down on the ground. He's down on the front line. And, and in this battle, it says that Moses goes up onto the mountain and he takes two people with him. He takes Aaron and he takes a guy called Hur. 
H-U-R, not her, like her, but her, her. And so, he, there's, so there's four different characters at play here. There's Moses, the leader. Then there's Aaron and her, two people supporting him. Then there's Joshua down on the front line, leading, leading the army, leading the charge. All those roles are crucial to the victory. Joshua had to fight down on the battle, but Moses had to go because the Lord said, if, if Moses, when Moses goes up onto the mountain, as he lifts his hands, Joshua and the army will win. If he lowers his hands, then, then, then the, the enemy will take over. And so Moses had to keep his arms lifted that whole battle, right? And, and so, but, but if Moses had his arms lifted and Joshua said, you know what, I'm not going to fight, I'm going to take a day off. I'm, I'm just going to sit this one out, then Moses' hands would have been in vain. And so as the leader lifts his hands, he needs the Joshua's to be fighting the battle, to be on the front line. But if Joshua fought the battle without Moses lifting his hands, it also would have been in vain because they would have, they would have been defeated. But then get this, Moses, he not only needed Joshua, he needed Aaron and her by his side to keep his hands lifted because he got tired, he got weary. Come on, when your leader gets tired and weary, it's not a chance to condemn and criticize, but it's a chance to actually help them keep their hands lifted. Come on, so easy in our culture. We see a leader, we see someone, whether it's in work or in society, in politics or in church even, and we see a leader who, who is weary and his hands are lowering and we say, oh, look at them, I knew it weren't going to make it, weren't good enough. But actually, every leader's like that, and they need people to help lift their hands. Come on, your connect leader, your, we do. Come on, our politicians do. Come on, everyone in society, all the lead, every leader needs someone to help lift their hands. We need us together, and that's how it works, amen? We can't do it alone. We need each other. The fight requires many roles. In, in 1 Corinthians, it says, the eye cannot say to the hands, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. We all support each other. We're all necessary in the body. Isn't that amazing? Isn't it amazing? Tiredness doesn't represent incompetency. Tiredness represents tiredness. <laughs> Go figure, right? And so we all get tired, and we all need people in our world who can lift up our hands in the process. The victory is a benefit to everybody. There's an amazing quote uh, from, a, from Harry Truman, a, a U.S. president gone by. It says, this, it's amazing what you can accomplish when you don't care who gets the credit. Isn't that awesome? Come on. It's amazing what we can accomplish together here at Roselle in this community. If we just do it together, let's do it together. Let's support each other. Let's cover each other, whether they're young, whether they're coming up behind us, whether they're in front of us, whether it's the leader or the person who's been here two weeks. Let's do it together. If we don't care who gets the credit, because we know God gets the credit in the end. God gets the glory. Come on. Third group of people that God is calling us to be second to is God is calling us to be second to people not yet in the race. God is calling us to honor and support people that haven't even started their journey yet. People who haven't even got close to the starting line. We need to be able to include and lift up people that haven't even begun. That we wouldn't come with judgment or exclusion or superiority. We're like, oh, look at you, you're not even running the race. Hey, come on, they need us to include them in the journey, in the pathway, in the process. Bring people into the circle. Bring people into the presence. Our presence, our presence, not God's presence, our presence should capture people. It's like a fishing trawler just going along, captures 
captures as it goes along. I know, a bit of a weird image, fishing. But, but, but it's kind of like that. that we, as, as, as we go through life, we, our, our ability to capture people. The Bible says in Proverbs, says that he who wins souls is wise. That's not an evangelism scripture. That's, that's proverb. That's, pre, that's talking about relationship. It's talking about, hey, just win people. Be kind. Be, let's win people. Let's be the best at winning people who haven't even started their journey yet. That we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't bring them in and include them based on their performance because God didn't do that to us. Come on, we include, we embrace, we improve, include people who, who are struggling to find the starting line. That's our goal. There's amazing scripture, probably one of my favorite scriptures, one of my favorite stories in all the Bible in Acts 9. I'll read it out on, on, in verse 26, Acts 9, verse 26 in the NIV. It says this. I'll give you a bit of context. This is Paul, who was still Saul. Had just, he, he, was the most per, he was the biggest persecutor of the early church, literally killing Christians. Like he was a, he was a real deeply religious person, thought he was doing things in the name of God, thought he was on the right track, literally condemning the Christ followers. And he had this amazing conversion moment, this amazing moment where God opens his eyes and he sees Christ, the one true God. And it says this in verse Acts, in Acts 29, verse 26, when he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid. Isn't that amazing? There, there can be people who, who try to join, join our crew, join our squad, join our, our circle, join the family, join the church. And it's like, they, he, the, the, the most saddest line is he tried. He tried to join. It's like, he, it's like he, he tried to join, but they were afraid of him. And rightfully so. I mean, he'd done a lot of bad. But there was someone that says, uh, not believing that he was really a disciple. They thought he was an imposter. They thought they were just trying to infiltrate the ranks. But I, I love this. But Barnabas. Everyone say, but Barnabas. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them that, that how the Lord had spoken to him and, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. How's this? So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. I love that. I love that. We can, be, we can care more about what they've done to us more than what God has done in them. Come on, sometimes we're so afraid of people where we can care more about the offense they've caused us more than the transformation God has done in them. So we've got to see the, the work and see beyond the offense, see beyond the humanity and see what God is doing in lives. There are people that we need to embrace. There are people that we need to serve and support that have tried to start, that have tried to get in the race and, and for whatever reason have struggled to start. We need to be the best at starting and helping people join the journey. There are people, I believe, in this community that have been the biggest opposers to the church, biggest opposers to Christ that God is going to encounter. And they're going to come into this house and they're going to discover a community that is not afraid, not afraid of opinion, not afraid of criticism, not afraid of persecution, but that is willing to go the bold and embrace and support and love and embrace and bring them in to the family. Come on, that's what C3 Roselle is. It's a family that includes the lost, the hurting, the broken, no matter what form and no matter what background. Amen? Amen. God, we need to bring people in. We need to include them. We need to be okay with messy and broken people. We need to be okay with it. And you guys are the best at this. 
You guys, I know, Rosa already had, we, we, I'm preaching to the choir here, but come on, there are so many more. There are so many more. There are so many people who, who, who are broken and, and hurting that we need to be able to include. I love Barnabas. He's probably one of my favorite characters in the Bible because he saw Saul's, Saul's struggle. He saw beyond the offense. He saw, he saw beyond the mistakes, and he saw Saul's struggle. Barnabas, the, the name means son of encouragement which means he literally had encouragement on the inside. It was like the DNA of who he was, the DNA of who we are should be to encourage, should to be bring, to, to, to put courage into people, put boldness into people. And I love this. And if I could grab um, the band back up or, or Roxy, that would be awesome uh, to come back up. Roxy, that'd be great. But uh, three things that Barnabas did really quickly as we finish. It says it in this scripture in Acts. It says, but Barnabas took him, he took a hold of him. And there are people in our lives that we need to take a hold of again. There are people I believe that we once were holding and maybe we've let go of because of disappointment. There are people in our lives that God is calling us to reach out to and embrace and take a hold of them. Take hold. What, what is that? It means ownership. That we would take ownership for the people in our world. We would take ownership for the people that we need to include. Who else, if not us? Let's take ownership. The second thing, it says, He took him and he brought him. So not just ownership, but leadership. Lead, we're called to lead people closer to Christ, to capture them and lead them closer. The second thing, it says, he told them. So he took him, he brought him, and he told them. He defended, he advocated. We need to advocate for people. We need to be the biggest, not just with our actions, but with our words. Let's speak well of people. Let's be the people that encourage the most that are the most supportive, that don't gossip or slander, but actually lift up, cover with our words. Stepping out of our comfort and standing with the broken and advocating for them. Isn't it interesting? Barnabas was here with the disciples and says, Saul came and tried to join them. Tried to join. They all were afraid. It says, it says that Barnabas came down, took a hold of him, brought him, stood with him, and told them. That's what Barnabas did. But it's interesting because I've actually seen that somewhere before. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Peter, James, John, Barnabas, together. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Humanity tried to join tried to join, tried to join heaven, tried to join eternity. And in the righteousness of God, the holiness of God, couldn't but Jesus stepped down from the position of righteousness, from the position of holiness, came, took us, brought us, and told the Father, He's with me. Come on, what Barnabas did with Saul is what Jesus has done with us. It's the same thing. And we are called to, as I said before, follow the pattern that Jesus has set for us. It's exactly what Barnabas did. We are called to get out of our seat of comfortability, our seat of righteousness, of self-righteousness sometimes, take a hold of people, bring them, stand before God and say, no, they're with me. Come on, they're with me. They're with me. And the result, it says, so Saul stayed. 
You know, people stay where there's love, where there's an atmosphere of love, where there's an atmosphere of an embrace. That's where people stay. That's where people feel the most comfortable and at ease in a culture of love. Honor brings out what's in people. And there are gifts, even right now in this room, I know there are people here, there are gifts that are yet to be unlocked. There are callings and purposes that are yet to be unlocked in every single one of us. And as we take a hold of people and we embrace one another, we cover, cover, honor, celebrate, support, lift up, encourage one another with a humble heart, we're going to set an atmosphere and a culture of love that brings out the best in people, that brings out the gifts and brings out the calling and brings out the purpose in people. Jesus could not, Jesus himself could not even perform gifts and miracles in, in where there was no culture of honor, no culture of support. It's amazing. I want you to bow your heads right now. We're going to pray. And uh, before we close, what I'd love to do is uh, maybe, this, maybe there's some, someone here and you feel, you know what, I feel, I feel the struggle that Saul had. I felt like I've tried to, I've tried to join. I've, uh, I feel, I feel, you feel distant from Christ. You feel distant from God's love. He's not here to judge or exclude or cast off. He's here to bring in close. Not just to community, but to Him Himself, to His grace, His forgiveness. So with no one looking around, I'd, 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 I'd hate to think we miss this moment and not give an opportunity for people to respond. If you're here this morning, I'm not going to get you to do anything to come up the front or anything with everyone's eyes closed, just to respect privacy. If you want to say yes to Jesus this morning and say, God, I want to receive your love, your forgiveness. I want to come back into relationship with you, maybe for the first time, or maybe you've been away and you want to reconnect with Christ this morning. Maybe you're unsure if, if you're going to heaven. Come on, why don't you be sure this morning and say yes to Christ. Receive Him afresh in your life. If that's you, with no one looking around, why don't you just slip your hand up? Just a little, it's just a little action to say, God, I'm responding to you this morning. If there's anyone here at all, why don't you do that right now? With no one looking around, thank you, I see your hand. If there's anybody else, you can put your hand down once you do that. Just a, so just a moment to engage and say, God, yes, I want you. Yes, God, if there's anybody else, thanks, buddy, I see your hand. Anybody else, why don't you lift up your hand? I'll give you five more seconds. Sometimes it can be a little, a little wrestle sometimes. But what a beautiful morning just to say yes to God. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't we all stand to our feet? And uh, a few people lifting their hands. What a beautiful thing, hey? And uh, what I'd love to do is we're going to pray this prayer together. We're going to pray a prayer. You repeat it after me. But let's all to do it uh, for the guys who lifted their hands. I want you to own this prayer. But we're going to do it together as a family. We're all in this together. So why don't you say this with me? Dear Jesus, I thank you for your love and your grace. Today, I say yes to you. I embrace you. I thank you. You are my Father. I am your child, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Come on, why don't we put our hands together for Jesus and for the people that have lifted their hands. And if that is you, what, I, what I'd love to do is, uh, is maybe, maybe I'll, I'll come and have a chat because I'd love to, I'd love to answer any questions. And uh, if there's someone here you know, just tell them that's what you did this morning. And we'd love to help you in any way we can to follow Christ and I'll give you anything you need for that. But uh, let me finish on this. In Romans 12, in the Message Bible, it says this, Practice playing second fiddle. Practice playing second fiddle. Come on, let's, let's be the best at being second. 
to the people behind us, the people ahead of us, the people not yet in the race. Come on, amen. We're going to sing this song to finish this morning. So uh, come on, why don't you sing this out, and then we're going to head out and get some coffee.